Welcome back to the Hemingway List, the podcast where we do things excellently. We're talking about Of Human Bondage, Chapter 19. But first, patreon.com slash the Hemingway List. Big thanks to our Patreons. Okay. Ah, Philip, control your angst, bud. Philip let his, uh, his anger get the better of him there and uh, cost him a friend. Poor little Philip. Poor, how many times have we said poor Philip? so far in this book. Fix the Blue said, Wow, a lot going on in this chapter. I wonder how closely Philip's personality mirrors the author who shall not be named, and if he was really like that, or super self-critical. A lot of the description of Philip seems intended to make the reader dislike him, but I just don't. I sympathise with him, and I cringe about high school drama that went through, that I went through, though we never called each other beastly, our very British boarding school. It was a very British insult. No, I don't like... I don't... Sorry, I don't dislike Philip. I actually quite like Philip. And, um... I don't know. I always think... Whenever you're dealing with young... Pretty much anyone under 20... You've got to be... A bit extra forgiving. You've got to be forgiving with people anyway. You know, we all make a dick of ourselves sometimes. And say something and then go... Oh, later on... Whoa, why did I say that? What was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. You know, we've all been there. And um, we've all let our emotions get the better of us. And especially when we were teenage boys. I don't know how many listeners have been a teenage boy before, but I have. And it's a hormonal roller coaster. I tell you what, you've got so much uh, like testosterone and angst and, you know, just hormones. You, you go berserk. Being a teenage boy is a nightmare and I can't really speak on being a teenage girl because I've never been one but I imagine it's quite the same but the um the jealousy the competitiveness like all the sort of things that come along with like you know what they would say like masculine sort of traits of competitiveness 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 um like um what's the word I'm looking for like territorial sort of stuff or you know all that um it does seem very much like those emotions are fueled by testosterone you know um and when you're a teenager it just grips you like you're just under the influence of it it's like being drunk you know it's it's a it's a chemical thing in your brain you can't say to a drunk person hey stop being drunk it's all in your head stop acting that way because it's like no no there's a chemical imbalance here and that's what it's like being a teenage boy like you just do dumb stuff and it's not your fault (laughs) it's still you that did it you've still got to be accountable don't get me wrong but i think those who have gone through the other side of it need to be a bit forgiving as long as they look back and go yeah i was an idiot you as the you know um the voice of reason you should be able to say yes you were an idiot but that's all good we've all been there you know, pull yourself together, clean your act up, pull your socks up, etc. That's how I always sort of think about these young characters, male and female. They do dumb stuff. They act very poorly, but, you know, to a degree, it's not their fault. To a degree. All right, so... Um, Fix the Blue said, Too bad for Philip that he lost his wee pal. 
Seems like Rose is the type of teenager to need a sidekick. Philip has been replaced. Yep. Oh, and finally, the bloody vicar. What was the line? Couldn't help feeling that the boy's illness was so very inconvenient, and he looked at him suspiciously in case he was still contagious. Ever the loving caregiver, eh? I am enjoying these snapshots of Philip through time and seeing how his personality changes and develops. It also gives insight into why he is the way he is. Also, Ander, you're mean. Yeah, I am taunting you with my beer last night and the night before. Uh, actually, you can hold the beer. Beer. I'd take sushi, stinky unpasteurized cheese, and dippy eggs over a beer right now. <laughs> oh, you can't have dippy eggs. Damn. You could really get into the spirit of the book with some dippy eggs. You know what? I'm gonna make dippy eggs just as a as a immersion. Just to really immerse myself in this book. And I'm going to throw it out right now as a an invitation to all the listeners and participants in the Hemingway list. Make yourself some dippy eggs and post a picture of it on the subreddit. I'd love to see what what you got. Let's get let's get dippy egg. Let's be dippy egg fanatics for the remainder of this book. <laughs> uh, oh, as I say that, I just realised that I'm being even meaner to fix the blue right now. Sorry, fix the blue. Now, just think of it like this. We're having it so you can vicariously live it through us. All right? Plus, at the end of all this, you get a baby, which is pretty awesome. We just get some eggs. So we said the moment she said, scarlet fever is a bacterial illness that develops in some people who have strep throat, strep throat also known as scarlatina. Scarlet fever features a bright red rash that covers most of the body, Almost always accompanied by a sore throat and a high fever, most common in children 15, 5 to 15. And although scarlet fever was once considered a serious childhood illness, antibiotic treatments have made it less threatening. Still, if left untreated, scarlet fever can result in more serious conditions that affect the heart, kidneys, and other parts of the body. My aunt had scarlet fever as a child, pre-antibiotics. It did adversely affect her heart. Ah, damn. Entrepa said, uh, Ouch, that was a nasty blow to the heart Philip received at the end. Rose, calling him a damn cripple, must have felt like a great betrayal. Such painful incidents are not lightly left behind, even in adulthood. I'm interested to see how, his, how this affects his future relationships or lack of them. I am impressed by the author's ability to make me to take me into the mind of the, and heart of his main character. I feel like shaking Philip and hugging him, sometimes both at the same time. <laughs> There's some fun prose here, almost oxymoronic, a violent friendship, at once fascinated and repelled, and a sort of wonderful fear. Yeah, oh, that is nice language. Thank you for uh, for, for pointing that out. Um, a lot of authors will do that, or writers or artists, you know, where they take oxymoronic phrases uh, especially songwriters like how many songs have called like like together alone or um i don't know you know you, like the two things in the sentence are the opposite of each other kind of thing um you see it all the time now you'll see it all the time now that i've said that uh, okay 
All right, that's the conversation done. We've conversed. Well done, us. Chapter 20. 20. Chapter 20 goes like this. Philip was moved into the sixth, but he hated school now with all his heart, and having lost his ambition, cared nothing whether he did ill or well. He awoke in the morning with a sinking heart, because he must go through another day of drudgery. He was tired of having to do things because he was told, and the restrictions irked him, not because they were unreasonable, but because they were restrictions. He yearned for three freedom. He was weary of repeating things that he knew already, and of hammering away, for the sake of a thick-witted fellow, at something that he understood from the beginning. With Mr. Perkins, you could work or not as you choose. He was at once eager and abstracted. The sixth form room was in a part of the old abbey, which had been restored, and it had a gothic window. Philip tried to cheat his boredom by drawing this over and over again, and sometimes, out of his head, he drew the great tower of the cathedral, or the gateway that led into the precincts. He had a knack for drawing. Aunt Louisa, during her youth, had painted in watercolours, and she had several albums filled with sketches of churches, old bridges, and picturesque cottages. They were often shown at the vicarage tea parties. She had once given Philip a paint box as a Christmas present, and he had started by copying her pictures. He copied them better than anyone could have expected, and presently he did little pictures of his own. Mrs. Carey encouraged him. It was a good way to keep him out of mischief, and later on his sketches would be useful for bazaars. Two or three of them had been framed and hung in his bedroom. But one day at the end of the morning's work, Mr. Perkins stopped him as he was lounging out of the form room. I want to speak to you, Carey. Philip waited. Mr. Perkins ran his lean fingers through his beard and looked at Philip. He seemed to be thinking over what he wanted to say. What's the matter with you, Carey? he said abruptly. Philip, flushing, looked at him quickly, but, knowing him well by now, without answering, he waited for him to go on. I've been dissatisfied with you lately. You've been slack and inattentive. You seem to take no interest in your work. It's been slovenly and bad. I'm very sorry, sir said Philip. Is that all you have to say for yourself? Philip looked down sulkily. How could he answer that he was bored to death? You know, this term you'll go down instead of up. I shan't give you a very good report. Philip wondered what he would say if he knew how the report was treated. It arrived at breakfast. Mr. Carey glanced at it indifferently and passed it over to Philip. There's your report. You'd better see what it says, he remarked. As he ran his fingers through the wrapper of the catalogue of second-hand books. Philip read it. "'Is it good?' asked Aunt Louisa. "'Not so good as I deserve,' answered Philip with a smile, giving it to her. "'I'll read it afterwards, when I've got my spectacles,' she said. But after breakfast, Mary Ann came in to say the butcher was there, and she generally forgot. Mr. Perkins went on. "'I'm disappointed with you, and I can't understand. I know you can do things if you want to, but you don't seem to want to any more.' I was going to make you a monitor next term, but I think I'd better wait a bit. Philip flushed. He did not like the thought of being passed over. He tightened his lips. And there's something else. You must begin thinking of your scholarship now. You won't get anything unless you start working very seriously. Philip was irritated by the lecture. He was angry with the headmaster and angry with himself. I don't think I'm going up to Oxford, he said. Why not? I thought your idea was to be ordained. I've changed my mind. Why? Philip did not answer. Mr. Perkins, holding himself oddly as he always did, like a figure in one of per 
Perugino's pictures, drew his fingers thoughtfully through his beard. He looked at Philip as though he were trying to understand, and then abruptly told him he might go. Apparently he was not satisfied, for one evening a week later, when Philip... Apparently he was not satisfied, for one evening a week later, when Philip had to go into his study with some papers, he resumed the conversation, but this time he adopted a different method. He spoke to Philip not as a schoolmaster with a boy, but as one human being with another. He did not seem to care now that Philip's work was poor, that he ran small chance against keen rivals of carrying off the scholarship necessary to go on to Oxford. The important matter was his changed intention about his life afterwards. Mr. Perkins set himself to revive his eagerness to be ordained. With infinite skill, he worked on his feelings, and this was easier since he was himself genuinely moved. Philip's change of mind caused him bitter distress, and he really thought he was throwing away his chance of happiness in life, for he knew not what. His voice was very persuasive, and Philip easily moved by the emotion of others, very emotional himself, notwithstanding a placid exterior, his face, partly by nature, but also from the habit of all these years at school, seldom, except by his quick flushings, showed what he felt. Philip was deeply touched by what the master said. He was very grateful to him for the interest he showed, and he was conscience-stricken by the grief which he felt his behaviour caused him. It was subtly flattering to know that with the whole school to think about Mr Perkins should trouble with him, but at that same time, something else in him, like another person standing at his elbow, clung desperately to two words. I won't, I won't, I won't. He felt himself slipping. He was powerless against the weakness that seemed to well up in him. It was like the water that rises up in an empty bottle held over a full basin. And he set his teeth, saying the words over and over to himself, I won't, I won't, I won't. At last, Mr. Perkins put his hand on Philip's shoulder. I don't want to influence you, he said. You must go decide for yourself. Pray to Almighty God for help and guidance. When Philip came out of the headmaster's house, there was a light rain falling. He went under the archway that led to the precincts. There was not a soul there, and the rooks were silent in the elms. He walked round slowly. He felt hot, and the, and the rain did him good. He thought over all that Mr. Perkins had said, calmly now that he was withdrawn from the fervour of his personality, and he was thankful he had not given way. In the darkness he could but vaguely see the great mass of the cathedral. He hated it now because of the irksomeness of the long services which he was forced to attend. The anthem was interminable, interminable. And you had to stand drearily while it was being sung, and you could not hear the droning sermon, and your body twitched because you had to sit still when you wanted to move about. Then Philip thought of the two services every Sunday at Blackstable. The church was bare and cold, and there was a smell all about one of the pomade and starched clothes. The curate preached once, and his uncle preached once. As he grew up, he had learned to know his uncle. Philip was downright and intolerant, and he could not understand that a man might sincerely say things as a clergyman which he never acted up to as a man. The deception outraged him. His uncle was a weak and selfish man whose chief desire it was to be saved trouble. Mr. Perkins had spoken to him of the beauty of a life dedicated to the service of God. Philip knew what sort of lives the clergy led in the corner of East Angelia, Ang Anglia. 
which was his home. There was the Vicar of Whitestone, a parish a little way from Blackstable. He was a bachelor, and to give himself something to do, had lately taken up farming. The local paper constantly reported the cases he had in the country court against this one and that, labourers he would not pay their wages or to, or tradesmen whom he accused of cheating him. Scandal said he starved his cows, and there was much talk about some general action which should be taken against him. Then there was the vicar of Fern, a bearded fine figure of a man whose wife had been forced to leave him because of his cruelty, and she had filled the neighbourhood with stories of his immortality. That was my phone going diddling, by the way. The vicar of Searle, a tiny hamlet by the sea, was to be seen every evening in the public house, a stone's throw from his vicarage, and the church wardens had been to Mr. Carey to ask his advice. There was not a soul for any of them to talk to except small farmers or fishermen. There were long winter evenings when the wind blew, whistling drearily through the leafless trees, and all around they saw nothing but the bare monotony of ploughed fields, and there was poverty, and there was lack of any work that seemed to matter. Every kink in their characters had free play. There was nothing to restrain them. They grew narrow and eccentric. Philip knew all this, but in his young intolerance he did not offer it as an excuse. He shivered at the thought of leading such a life. He wanted to get out into the world. All right. There we go, another chapter down. Philip, wanting to get out into the world, that's a beautiful thing. All right, have your say about this one over at the subreddit. Thank you for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.